In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be previewing the upcoming game against Udinese in the Serie A. We'll be joined by the former international editor of Inter TV, Mr. Patrick Kendrick, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on Studio Inter. Recupera Brazovic, andiamo in contropiede, la porta è vuota, tira, attenzione, e gol, e gol! Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavalla Iruzzari. We're hoping you all had a lovely international break. I for sure, as, I, I for sure as one, needed that break after a very, very long uh, Mercato summer, three months. This occurs every now and uh, every every two years, and when it does, after afterwards, you're, you're pretty drained. So I've had a nice... Nice little break from the Mercato, um, but I'm uh, not going to dwell too much on that. Uh, let's get to it. I'm also joined, uh, I'm joined here today by the SempreInter.com preview writer, Mr. Mo Nassar. How are you, Mo? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, looking forward to the Serie A getting back into this weekend. Yes, and uh, it, it's a, it's a slightly different uh, Semper uh, Studio Inter for you. You're 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 going against your nature, but we'll get into that uh, uh, later on. Um, you, you you're not you as everyone who listens to the show usually knows. Mo is Mr. Positivity, but this week he's <laughs> negativity, and he's he's promised to give an old man rant. So I can't wait for that. Um, and we're also joined for the first time this season by our very good friend, uh, Mr. Fulvio Santucci. Uh, welcome, Fulvio. Hi, Nima. Hi, everyone. Good to be back. It's really good to have you. I uh, hope you've had a nice summer break. Yes, yes, thank you. And I hope everybody have a nice summer break because actually we deserve that. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> Indeed, after all the drama. Um, but we'll, we'll get into all that. And uh, we're also joined by uh, Mr. Will Beckman, uh, who works for Semperinter.com and used to uh, Serpent Madonina. And well, I used to call him media personality, Mr. Will Beckman, but he doesn't like that, so I'm not going to. <laughs> Hi, Will. Co- correct. <laughs> good evening. Good evening. <laughs> the international um, break is over. Thank goodness. Yes, yes, it is. It does. Uh, the first two days of that break every year feels good, but then, but then it, it kind of gets pretty draining. Uh, but we're, we're, let's not drain, uh, let's not dwell on that because we are joined by a very good, uh, by a very nice, interesting and, and uh, great guest that I've been tra- been been wanting to get on in, um, Studio Inter for quite some time. Uh, he used to uh, he used to be the former international editor of Inter TV. He used to be on Benfica TV. He's a Serie A commentator uh, for the international feeds, making his Studio Inter debut. Welcome, Mr. Patrick Kendrick. Good evening, everyone. Or I guess it's a podcast, isn't it? So it's, there's probably no time references. So let's say hello, everyone. Great to, uh, <laughs> great to be here and uh, a bit of a false start there. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's always good to have you on. Um, I... Uh, uh, I, uh, we've we've all got questions because you, as I mentioned, you used to be on Inter TV. You were the international editor there. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit uh, about that because, as far as maybe I'm wrong, uh, but when you started uh, at Inter TV, that was the first time they had an international editor. Um, I think. Could you tell us a little bit how that came about? I can. Yeah, um, it was the first time that they had employed uh, an in-house. Uh, English native speaking journalist. Yeah, so that was, I felt very privileged actually to be a part of that. It seemed like a no brainer to me just with the way that Serie A is going, with the way the international football is going. And of course, Inter being such a 
a forward-thinking club and, you know, the sort of international nature of, of the club. I, um, I had worked on a freelance basis previously with the club and funnily enough, I'd, I'd just moved from Milan back to Lisbon um, about a week before I got the call from uh, someone I know at Inter, actually, who's uh, a guy called Roberto Manzani. You're probably familiar with him. He's a sort of de facto boss although that's probably got sort of mafia connotations, hasn't it, of the uh, Intermedia House. He's doing some brilliant <laughs> things there. And he said to me, are you still in Milan? Are you interested in working uh, at Inter? And I said, uh, I'm not still in Milan, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you had to say. And so um, my girlfriend hated me. She stayed with me. But uh, long story short, we got our stuff together. And three months later, we were back in, uh, back in Milan. That was December 2017. And I spent very enjoyable 18 months yeah, with the Nerazzurri. Mm, nice one. Mo? Yeah, Patrick, um, I just wanted to ask you, uh, we've seen uh, Inter, uh, the Intermedia House in general, upping its game over the last three or four years, I mean, two or three years. Um, how important do you reckon this is for a club uh, with Inter's ambitions um, to be able to generate that sort of content? Um, does, does it really matter? I mean, I've certainly enjoyed a lot of it, uh, but how important do you reckon this sort of uh, internally generated quality content is for a club's reputation and, and bottom line in general? I think it's vital. I really do. I was a, a initially a little bit cynical, you know, because we're, we're all football fans at the end of the day. I mean, I'm, I'm neutral now, you know, having to sort of the day job as a commentator. But I, I think it is important because there's only ever one team that can win, win the league. In Italy, we only have one domestic cup competition, you know, unlike other countries, Portugal, England, France and so on and so forth. Um, so there are and, and we're unfortunately living through a sort of unprecedented era of one club dominance, um, don't mention the war sort of thing. Um, and so I think it's it's good to have a departure from the motto of winning is the only thing that counts and, and everything that that pertains to. I think it's great to be able to have a bit more fun with it. It is ultimately entertainment. Why do people watch sport? Why do they like sport in the first place? It's a release. It's escapism, ultimately. And I think when you're not winning on the pitch, if you're able to still engage and entertain your fans in other ways, Uh, and it really has been the sort of flagship in this, certainly in Italy, with regards to producing content. I think the work that Intermedia House has done over the last two years has been absolutely fabulous. Uh, and I guess the most synonymous thing with it is those presentation videos. You know, you just see the comments on Facebook and Twitter and, you know, announce so-and-so. But it's not, you know, it's because people are genuinely interested in, in, uh, in seeing the videos. And I think they've almost been too successful for their own good you know now there's been a raft of new signings and you're constantly requiring that originality to come up with uh, with fresh ideas but I think it has been forward thinking I have have been leading the way I think it's caused other Italian clubs to think about the way they produce content and the way that they engage with their supporters and it's been some light relief you know because Inter are historically one of the biggest clubs and to this day one of the biggest clubs in uh, in Italy But when you have the same team winning the Scudetto eight years in a row, then there comes a time when you have to sort of glamorize fourth place and Champions League qualification, what pertains to that. And you have to show that the club is moving forward, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch. And I think that's what's been the best thing about Intermedia House. Uh, Fulvio, did you have a question for uh, Patrick? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hello, Patrick. So, uh, since you are skilled in communication uh, and just speaking about this, uh, we we witnessed a lot of improvement uh, during, especially during the last few years in the intercommunication on the internet uh, channels uh, that spread through throughout the world. 
we see the, this brand campaign this summer, not for everyone. Um, so I would like to ask you, um, in, your, in your opinion, of course, and since you, you work actually for Inter, uh, where did you see the, um, the, the most significant improvement in which areas uh, and uh, where the opposite uh, you see room for improvement uh, or areas on the communication on which Inter is struggling a bit and uh, should, uh, should improve? I think the communication side, once you hire um, an English journalist, which was my role, I can only really speak to my role, but I saw improvements elsewhere. There's a lot more expansion to the Far East market. Um, I think clearly that's only ever going to get bigger. So it is just a, a first step. I mean, I have obviously been replaced by uh, a very good journalist. Um, I won't mention his name because he's sort of very anti-social media, but he, he'll do a very good job and I'm sure you'll see him on the platform um, very soon. But I think the, the way that Inter can improve is to continue to move in that direction, embrace the international nature of football, uh, try and engage more with supporters, making use of, of social media, making use of all the different, you know, it's one thing going on on a tour that's once a year, but if you're able to make the fans feel a part of the club, day in day out then i think that's fantastic so i think there's been that's probably the same direction really the improvements have been made with intermedia house and with just the bolstering of the club on the non-footballing side in general um trying to produce more innovative content not simply just having a a website where you're you know constantly churning out the same content or only translating the italian version of the website into other languages where you're actually conceiving of specific targeted content in a certain language for a specific audience. I think that's where the club have made improvements. There's still a long way to go. I think that's what I would suggest there. Nice one. Uh, Will? Yeah, hi, Patrick. Um, a lot of things that, that could be asked, but um, this is, it might be a little bit flippant, but um, I'm always interested in this sort of thing. I was wondering uh, who, were the, who were the best players to deal with when you were doing that sort, that sort of video content at, at Inter, because I'm always wondering who's uh, who loves talking to uh, to the press and who actually hates it. Um, is there any is there anyone who was particularly enjoyable to work with when you were making a video or, or doing a post match interview? You know, what, who was the, the most accessible? Well, it won't come as a massive surprise because of the sort of role that he has. Well, that position has within a squad. Tommaso Berni was uh, was very popular. You know, he's a very cultured individual. He's travelled a lot. He's just he's very he's a very interesting man. He's very humble. He'll talk to everyone, and he loved getting involved in things like that. Um, Ranocchio was very good to deal with as well. You know, I know he sort of has that that label as the sort of unofficial captain of the team. He's a class act. I mean, everyone. Every, you know, they're all professionals. They have it within their contract. Some players are more, you know, uh, inclined to help out and to really throw themselves into it than others. Others are easily talked out of it. You know, there's a sort of peer pressure element that comes into it as well. If they see someone enjoying themselves doing something, they're more likely to get involved. Um, you know, football is just big kids at the end of the day. Whereas, you know, if they see their mate who's a bit more reluctant, it's like, oh, yeah, they made me do this, then they already come in a, a little bit um, defensive. Yeah. Um, there was one player who I was a little bit disappointed with, um, but he's uh, he's since left the club. I won't name names, but... Uh, oh, yeah, you know, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, he, well he, he, he plays for the rivals now, so I think you probably know... <laughs> he is. Anyway, that's without naming names. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, for the knee, shall we say. Yes, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> right. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit um, about um, how, 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 I mean, you said that Monsani asked you to, to come on to as that, that role has never 
uh, it didn't exist before you started it. Um, so how would you say that, that you know, uh, is that, you know, are they, uh, what was the plan? Was it just to have content in English or was it, I mean, because obviously in Italian you've got Inter TV that produces the post-match interviews and all that. I mean, do you, do you think that they will, that one day Inter will just create English content or maybe content in, in, in other languages other than just Italian exclusive to that language? They've made big strides with English on the platforms available to them. So things like YouTube, where you can just upload content. Um, it's a little bit more difficult, as you obviously know, when it comes to television rights. And, um, you know, that I think there's, I know that obviously MUTV have, have content all over the world. I know a colleague of mine um, works at Real Madrid. They have their own English TV channel, but that's streamed on the web. Um, and I think it's sort of... Uh, is very it's almost a sort of propaganda vehicle i'm gonna get myself into trouble um but that's that's real madrid and everything that goes with real madrid um i think there will be improvements um i think that is the direction that they want to go and it, it just depends on how that would come about i mean it gets very complex when you're talking about selling uh television rights having a standalone platform to do that obviously they would need to hire um more manpower on the English side of things. But yeah, I mean, my role, I was more of a sort of um, uh, jolly, to use the Italian term, you know, sort of um, <laughs> stepping, you're sort of um, plugging gaps occasionally when there was Italian broadcasting required and then doing English um, content when that was uh, specifically requested. So I think there is scope to do more. The club has a massive fan base and a lot of supporters, obviously, who are... Uh, if not English native speakers, certainly they all uh, understand um, English. I mean, that's testament to, you know, successes such as um, as, as your website, Nima, and, and, and everything that you guys do. So I think there is room for more content from the club. Um, it just depends uh, on what time frame, how, who's going to be involved. And I think there'd be a really need to be a committed, concerted effort and say, OK, uh, we're going to need a full news desk and we're going to need to have three or four uh, English journalists, you know, because there's only so many products you can do when you have when you have only one one journalist, you know. So you may have seen we did a Facebook live show for for um, for Champions League coverage. That was 20 minutes and uh, just short things like that, really. Whereas if you want to go into slightly longer form content or you want to have uh, news platforms and so on and so forth, then they, they do need to... Um, to bolster the English speaking side of things, but that's easier said than done. You know, you have to have the access to the funds. You have to have the ownership on board and the ownership have really pushed this, you know, the Chinese and the English content. And I think there is a real acknowledgement of just how international inter are as a brand and how that, that can be the sort of um, USP, I think. Mm. I agree. I agree. So um, uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's focus a little bit more on uh, this season. Um, uh, obviously, there's been quite a lot of changes this um, uh, this summer with Conte coming in and players leaving and, and, and that. Um, I mean, what, what, what do you think, based on your experience working for the club, that this the, the what is the club's objective this season in terms of uh, reaching goals? Is it to win the Scudetto? And do you think that's realistic? It is to win the Scudetto. I'm almost convinced of that. I think they'll you sort of whisper it very softly because I don't think anyone inside the club is going to acknowledge that. You might, you know, it depends when and how they sort of allude to that. Basically, lest we forget, it was, what was it? Two seasons ago, and 15 games in, and Inter had 
were either unbeaten or they'd lost once and they were top of the league with Spalletti, who, may I just say, I'm a big fan of Spalletti. I know he's not always... Um, you know, he's not, been, he's not been a unanimous choice in terms of uh, Nerazzurri fans' favourite coach over the last few years. But I think you have to take your hat off to what he mm. achieved. I mean, no one had taken the club into the Champions League. Yes, there's a few caveats. He was favoured by the fact that overnight we went from two and a half Champions League places to four. Because let's be honest, it was two and a half. Because once in every eight years, the third place team would actually win that qualifier in, in August with all the help from Serie A having never played a league match. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting Spalletti a bit controversial. But let's, let's, well. <laughs> let's Well, exactly. There's, there's Will there to remind me. So I, uh, But yeah, I think, um, I think it is a target. I don't think it's the main target. I think the, there are two main targets this season. It's... Try and try and win the Coppa Italia, you know, lift some silverware and just get that sorted, you know, move on from that sort of um, that 2011 Coppa Italia win over um, over Palermo. Um, Because you only need to look at the team back then to see how long that's been. I think there is qualify for the Champions League, do it comfortably and, you know, challenge Napoli for second place. And if you come within two wins or three wins of Juventus and you you take the title race nominally into the spring then you've had a very good season. But because of how good the coach is, um, I wouldn't rule out a title challenge. And I think this is the best chance you've got. You know, Juventus, eight years in a row, the whole thing about, you know, full belly, all that sort of stuff. Um, philosophical change at the helm with Maurizio Sarri. I mean, all of those different factors. I don't think Napoli, I tweeted it the other day, nearly got myself into trouble when they're 3-0 down to Juventus. I said, nothing in Ancelotti's career mis- makes me think that he is going to mount a-, a title challenge, let alone with um, <laughs> with Napoli, you know, who have only ever won whatever it is, uh, two, Scudetto in their, two Scudetti in their history. So, um, if anyone is going to challenge Juventus in the short term, it's Inter. We may have to wait another three or four years. I really hope not. And that's me talking with my Serie A hat on as someone who covers the league. Um, you know, obviously, I don't want to mislead people. I, I worked for Inter, but I'm um, simpatizante, I guess, more than anything. You know, the, I, the club have a soft spot, which... Um, which obviously fades when I'm when I'm broadcasting. I hope, although I got accused of bias for the for the Lecce commentary. <laughs> but, there you go. Um, so I think if you're asking me, can Inter mount a title challenge? I would say there's a 15 to 20 percent chance, but uh, on paper. But then you add in the Conte factor, and I think you, you you double that at least because he's you know you look back over the course of his career, what he did with Juventus in that first season shouldn't really have happened. I mean, a massive club, but they shouldn't really have won the league unbeaten. Um, and he's absolutely convinced in what he's doing. And I think the squad is better than people give it credit for, uh, to be honest. I just wonder if there's going to be enough goals coming from from midfield, really. I think it's going to be a, a, a lot of clean sheets required again from uh, Handanovic et al. Yeah. Uh, Will? You had one more question. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that actually, Patrick, my favourite tweet from yours during that match was when at half time you said that winning goal from Koulibaly has never felt so far away. And, <laughs> yeah. then, and then an hour later, <laughs> it was yeah. full circle. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no, that actually had nothing to do with the question I was going to ask. I was going to ask something um, a bit more serious, actually. Obviously, this has been a uh, a rather depressing week again in terms on the racism front in Italy after uh, Romelu Lukaku's abuse in uh, in Sardinia. I was just wanted to get a perspective from somebody who's been working in Italy and obviously for Inter about. Um, firstly, as a, as a commentator, what it, what have your experiences been of, of racism? You know, is it something that you sort of see wherever you go, or have you not been have you not seen too much of it in in first person? Uh, and also, 
I wonder if I always wonder if the media do enough in Italy to cover this this kind of stories because you know I was I was listening to the radio the day after um, the Cagliari match and it it wasn't it wasn't mentioned um, and then you get the the front pages that that might sometimes sort of squeeze it in on a on a bar on the side or or have a sort of a, something a few pages in but it doesn't I just do you think maybe that there could be more of a push to make this a, a big issue from from those who cover football in Italy. I think there should be more of a push. Um, as a commentator, it's quite difficult because often you're so in the zone and with the headphones on and focused on what you're doing that you're not always privy necessarily to what is going on um, elsewhere. I think it was pretty hard to avoid in that case. I'd just like to actually say well done to Dave Farrow, who I thought his commentary was was very good on that, you know, condemnation pretty swift on, on what happened at Cagliari. Ugly scenes. Um I don't condone it. I condemn it. I think that there have been some sweeping statements from outside the country um, from people who see things as black and white, excuse the pun. But we need to remember that, unfortunately, uh, and Fulvio will be able to speak to this a lot more than me, but Italy is still in the early throes of immigration. I mean, look, I'm not, you, you need to talk to historians about this. Um, John Foote would be someone to talk to this about if you ask me. But, you know, lest we forget in other countries there's been mass immigration uh, from Italy, there was sort of mass emigration. But, um, you know, Italy hasn't been very exposed to the other, if you will. And I think that occasionally we need to have a little bit more cultural sensitivity. Where that's, I'm, I'm trying to be really careful with this because... Um, I'm, I was absolutely appalled and outraged, and it's in a disgrace. Uh, and I saw the the statement from a certain section of the fan base, if you can call them supporters, uh, and it's abhorrent. But I think that um, people people should tread carefully when they are trying to make out that this is a black and white issue when it comes to Italy, and people are very quick to condemn. And it should be condemned for what it is. But you should also try and understand what is at the root of this. And then there's more scope, I think, to try and actually go and resolve it. And it needs to be resolved sort of bottom up. The league have to do more. Um, the authorities have to do more. Clubs and their supporters need to hold their hands up and say, this is outrageous. This is unacceptable. Clubs need to distance themselves from certain sections of their fan base you guys know as well as I do that it's it's not as easy as that. You know, it's it's quite easy for us to to be here and comment on it. But no player should be experiencing that. And I don't care if it's 2019. I don't care if it's 1960. It is outrageous. It has no place in our game. Um, but yeah, Will, coming to your question specifically, more does need to be done. I don't know how to do it. And I think that's, that's the problem. Education, sure, um, bans, yes use cctv footage but you know a lot of these grounds aren't particularly well equipped with cctv a lot of these grounds are old municipal facilities um and it's it's a very difficult problem um but i'm going to leave it there because otherwise you know i, I might um say something that I, i'll regret but yeah to me it's it's outrageous and i think it's disgusting and it makes me sick but but and it's a very small but and a, and a small caveat um, Italy is a complex place and this is a very complex issue. Mm, indeed.
Right. Um, before we let you go, I just wanted to quickly, uh, I wanted to get your, ask you to, to look into your crystal bowl, your oh, mythical, and, and, and predict uh, the Serie A from places six to one. Um, and who do you think will be the capo cannonieri? Who will win the Coppa Italia? And who do you, who do you think will win the Super, Super Coppa? Right. Okay. Well, I'll start with the Super Cup. I'm going to go with Lazio just because I think um, Simone Inzaghi is quite good at preparing his sides for one-off cup games. And we saw that back in May as she did the final with Atalanta. I thought they were very good that night. Um, mm. uh, top six. I suppose I'm going to have to give you them in order as well, aren't I? Yes. I, uh, yes, you I do. I, I, heard, I heard last <laughs> week's episode. Was it Was it Mo that was able to sort of dodge it quite well? And just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I we asked... I, look, guys. <laughs> I think I did a pretty good job. Right? I think you did. I think you did. Um, right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it safe. Uh, Juventus as champions into second. Napoli third. Um, my sort of uh, love for Portugal is gonna put me with Paulo Fonseca and Roma of fourth. I think much against my better judgment. Lazio fifth, and yeah, or Milan will probably squeeze in sixth. Although I'm not sure they'll necessarily be with the same coach at the end of the season. That's controversial. There you go. Um, bottom three. Did you ask for the bottom three? I can't remember. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes I forgot to say. Yeah, yes. Bottom three. Lecce going down. I fear. Um, I'm very fond of Lecce. The Florence of the South. If you've not been, go. It's wonderful. Um, the reggae capital of Italy. Anyway, um, <laughs> Lecce, Verona, they're going down as well. I think Brescia might stay up. So then I've got to choose one from last season. Here you go. If the current ownership holds at Sampdoria, don't be surprised to see them finish 18th um, with their gung-ho coach. and their I agree. I agree with that. Play certain players um, and the heavy reliance on a late 30s timeless goal scorer um and then what do we have uh the, the copper italia inter for the copper italia and the top scorer let's try and think outside the box who could it be <laughs> i really roberto don't want to say roberto happily tend to share their goals around <laughs> i'll tell you what i'm going to finish on a positive note romelo lukaku Ooh. why not top yeah, scorer nice one nice one, nice one. Right, thank you so much, Patrick. Uh, I was just uh, before we before we let you go. Um, if people want to follow you on Twitter, and also if you've got something coming up that you want to plug, then go right ahead. Uh, at Patrick Kendrick, uh, I'll just plug my two commentaries coming up this weekend. I guess I'm doing Spa Lazio, and uh, and then I'm doing Verona Milan. So yeah, mm. um, nice I'll let you envisage how I'm getting across the country on the same day to do two matches. <laughs> Magic football commentary. Um, but there you go. So uh, tune in and uh, yeah, insult me on uh, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, and retweet more of the, the Lecce highlights. Yeah, that was good. That went viral. I think it was more to do with Inter's play than my commentary, but I'm convincing myself mm. it was just uh, my waxing lyrical about Antonio Candreva and his wonderful head of hair. Mm. Um <laughs> And on that happy note, I will uh, I'll bid you farewell. But I, I really uh, I really rate what you guys are doing, and um, yeah, fantastic English content, and keep up the good work, guys. And um, yeah, I'll hear from you all on Twitter soon. Thank you so much, for saying that. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank Cheers. You. Cheers. Ciao. Ciao. Have a Bye. good night. Bye. <laughs> all right. right. There is uh, um, 
Pat Patrick has a show reel that he's just tweeted a few days ago. So go and see that because there is footage of him doing things on Into TV. If you want to see what kind of things he used to get up to. Yeah, yeah, he's you did. Yeah, very you know, professional. Yeah, it is, and and, and, it's, and I got to say, his accent, whether it's Italian, yeah. Portuguese, French, German, English, very strong. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Fulvio, this is um, this is your uh, you're making your season debut. So I wanted to ask you a little bit um, uh, what what your thoughts were uh, about the Mercato. We all did it last week. I, I was thinking I was going to ask you to give your grade, uh, the classic Italian one to ten. Well, uh, my impressions are positive, to be honest. I think Inter is headed in the right direction. And um, the Mercato shows uh, what, uh, what I hoped in the beginning. So get rid of, the, um, of, the, of these alleged uh, um, leaders, such as Icardi, such as Perisic. And um, yeah, it was important to get rid of them because I don't think they have uh, um, a winning attitude. Uh, and uh, they show us that uh, the maximum they can do um, with with the team is to is to reach the, the the last spot for the Champions League in the last ten minutes of the season, two years in a row, and uh, that's that that could not be a coincidence, right? So I was pretty convinced uh, since the um, the the other blackouts that we had in January, such as the previous year that um, a change, a revolution was necessary in order to, to up the level here. And uh, the, the revolution has happened. Actually, I'm, uh, I'm, glad, to, uh, I'm glad that uh, Marotta um, bring, uh, bring in the players uh, of international, uh, uh, um, recognized as international, like uh, Romelu Lukaku, like Alexis Sanchez, uh, Diego Godin as well, should not forget. Um, so, yeah, my impressions are, are, are really positive on that. Uh, and of course, uh, let's not forget about Conte, which is uh, undoubtedly, I think, uh, the best coach that we have in the last 10 years. Mm. And uh, also the most paid, uh, uh, the most paid uh, um, coach that we have in the last 10 years. And that uh, showed the ambition, that showed the, you know, the need of a changing that has been acknowledged, has been recognized. Uh, uh, today, Mr. Zhang, uh, our president, has been elected on the ECA. That's good as well. Um, so yeah, I think we are we are headed in the right direction. I think that uh, we have the the condition to do to do well. Um, I don't know if uh, starting from this season, uh, but uh, sure the the project uh, and uh, I mean uh, a project of uh, two or three years uh, is is very interesting, and I'm looking forward to see where where it's going where where it's going. Um, but but if you give it if you give the Mercato grade one to ten, what would you give? Well, uh, I would say seven, and um, I would say not so not so much because uh, we struggle to be honest to sell players. Uh, if you think about it, uh, we just uh, we just sold players uh, um, like uh, under twenty years of uh, of age, yeah. uh, which which are very easy. Uh, but um, yeah, to be honest, uh, it's been a tough uh, session for all the Europe, not only for Inter, not only for Serie A. But uh, for uh, for all the club of Europe uh, struggled to to sell players. It was like a domino, you know. Uh, the the impression was that uh, was that uh, um, you you need someone to really unblock the situation. Uh, that one could be Dybala at some point. You know, Dybala headed to Manchester United, uh, and then a domino could be could be triggered. But this um, this, this has not happened, um, and uh, so everybody struggled. But uh, I think that uh, Inter could uh, have done something better with the um, with the sales uh, this year. 
um, I mean, I mean, I'm okay with that. But um, think, come, come to think about it, it could be could could be different, right? At least uh, uh, people like Joao Mario or uh, people like uh, Nangolan uh, or people like Perisic. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm happy we we, we got rid of Perisic, uh, but. Uh, of course, it's you know it's like a loan with an option to buy, and Bayern München seems interested in Sané for for next year. So I don't take for granted that the option, the, clo the close option, uh, uh, will be will be triggered. Uh, so that means that Icardi, Perisic, Nangolande could be all here next summer, and that's that's <laughs> oh, probably. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, but if you think about it, if you think about it, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's worst case scenario, but since, uh, still is a scenario, right? So yeah, you, yeah. you need to think about it. That's true. Uh, but uh, but um, on top of that, uh, we have a great deal with, with Lukaku. Um, too bad that we lost uh, Jeko, but uh, yes, the condition were not uh, advantageous, but because you know it's like it was like three years uh, with uh, a lot of wages. Uh, for a guy that uh, is going to to turn his uh, to turn like 34 years old, so seems not like a good deal. But still, uh, th th this was the man that Conte Conte wanted. So yeah, it would be better to bring him in. Um, but it's okay. I mean, I mean, I'm not. I, I cannot really complain about this. Uh, uh, the, the 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 purchases of Inter this year on the on the Mercato uh, are fine. Are fine, and uh, Inter is almost complete. It's too bad that we cannot. Uh, Accomplished to fill uh, the the lack that we have in the midfield, but uh, let's see what Barella does because Barella could be the answer at some point. Um, but still, yes, it's a, I, I would say it's a, it's a seven. So it's uh, it was not the it was not the great Mercato ever, but um, basically, as you said uh, in the last week episode, it's the best in a decade. So it's it's something. Yeah, um, right. Uh, let's uh, move on to. Uh, oh, so actually, sorry. Before we do, just quickly, um, yeah. uh, I want you. I, I want your. Who? Which three sides do you think will be relegated? Uh, one to six: Coppa Capocannonieri, Coppa Italia, and Supercoppa. Just go. Okay, so start with uh, Supercoppa. Uh, I will go with Juventus. Mm. Um, then uh, uh, one to six: uh, uh, Juventus champion into second place. Napoli third place. Lazio for the last part of the Champions League, the fourth one. Uh, Roma for the fifth, and, and Milan for the sixth. Um, then the bottom three, I think uh, uh, Verona, Lecce, and Spal. Too bad for Spal, but I think that that that's that's the year, unfortunately. Um, Capocannoniere, I would go with Immobile. I I have this sensation about Lazio this year, and uh, when Lazio is is in good shape, Immobile scores a lot. Um, so yes, I would go with the Mobile. He's and, even scoring for the national team now. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. It's uh, yeah. That's this is a mystery. I mean, uh, seems that Immobile can only score in only one type of uh, of of uh, of uh, how can I say um, one type of uh, conducting the game. The the Lazio the Lazio one where the, he had two trequartisti or two two fake trequartisti, but still trequartisti. But when we come to Italy, it's uh, it struggles. It struggles a lot. It probably have a, some psychological issues with that. Hmm. But he scored last time, um, right? So who do you think will win Coppa Italia? And uh, did Capocannoniere is in is Ciro, Ciro Immobile uh, uh, relegation uh, Coppa Italia? Uh, yeah, that's which ones? Who did you have? Uh, yeah, with the Coppa Italia, I go with Napoli this year. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 
But you know, you know, it's just, it's just uh, how, when, uh, like we say in Italian, it's caramanzia. Like, yeah. Something, <laughs> something, yeah. For what, for we what have, you know, we it's might something have to that's, play Napoli exactly. in the semis. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's something that uh, you don't want to name, but uh, you you hope, but you don't want to name, so you name some other one, right? Exactly, exactly. I, I like how you think. I like how you think. I'm very superstitious too. Right. I think that um, was like um, Nicola Berti cheering on Juventus before the Champions League final a couple of years ago. <laughs> in an interview, do you remember that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. Uh, did you say who do you think will be rele rele relegated as well? Yeah, I can repeat that. Verona, Lecce, Spal. That's, that's the one. That's the one. Sorry, I, I, I didn't hear. Um, right. Uh, let's move on uh, to uh, let's uh, preview the Udinese game. And and this is a this is a game that Inter have to watch out with a little bit because Udinese. A lot of people were 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 there. This this Udinese team is very moody. Um, they they can they can play really well and win one day against a team that's better than them, like they did against Milan, and then they can lose at, uh, lose at home against Parma, against a team which they probably were, were the favourites going into it. Um, what kind of game should Inter expect, uh, Fulvio? Well, tough game, I would, I would suppose. Uh, I think that uh, uh, Udinese will be here to try a strong defence, and uh, I think that uh, we all wait for Inter to show something in this kind of games because uh, that's exactly the games in which we struggle uh, in the Spalletti era. Um, so the, the change that uh, Conte needs to give to, the, to this team uh, should, should start from here, should start from the, from the attitude. Um, when you are against the, the team with a strong defence, uh, that that one that that you need quality to solve that right, and we see something like that in Cagliari. Even though Cagliari at some point uh, try to uh, try to come ahead and uh, attack and try, I mean, at some point trying to win the game as well. But um, you know, it's still something that should be fixed in Inter about this. So we need all the quality that we can uh, that we can have, and uh, we need to understand uh, if um, if this quality could uh, could be could be enough. I, I mean, I don't like Udinese so much. It's a team that uh, has not changed so much since the last year. And uh, as Pozzo, uh, the, the owner of Udinese, uh, get, get used to in the last years, uh, the investments were, were a few. I mean, they, they, brought, in, um, they brought in just uh, um, Nestorovsky, which is, uh, which is uh, on the bench, I mean, because Lasagna is, is going to play. And uh, they bring in uh, this man, Rodrigo Becao, which uh, is, is in my heart because it's scored on Milan, but I don't think it's nice. <laughs> and uh, he bring, bring in this Yayalo, this Mato Yayalo, which uh, was on the field uh, on the Inter-Siena when the Inter mm, then won the triplete. You all yeah. remember the game, Inter-Siena 4-3. And yeah. Yayalo was, was on the field, um, was, on, was on the pitch with Siena. So it's, uh, I mean, it's an old guy, so nothing, nothing really special. And the rest, they, they keep the, po the pole, but uh, you don't know in what condition. You don't know if it's motivated, uh, because uh, everybody knows that uh, he wanted to run and uh, go to the up level on the on, on other team. So you don't know which uh, which version of the pole you're going you're gonna to receive this year. So they're not impressive, to be honest. But uh, together, they can play strong, right? Especially when they have uh, a clear game to do, which is uh, strong defense. And you know when when you when you when you play against Lecce and Lecce try to attack you, it's easy to score goals. But uh, yeah. when you when you play against the team that uh, wants a strong defense and uh, try to try to to get away with uh, with at least a, a draw, it's all is difficult. So I'm I'm uh, I'm very curious to understand if uh, Mr. Alexis Sanchez uh, will be will be fielded at some point because I think we need exactly this kind of players uh, with this kind of quality. 
that kind of players that could invent something uh, out of the blue. And uh, I think that Sanchez is, is one of this. And I think we need this, this kind of players to, to, win, to win easily this game. Yeah, he's a very dynamic player. Um, Mo, uh, last time around, you, uh, I mean, you're, you're the reigning champion in terms of uh, predict, predicting with since you got it. <laughs> so, so I was going to ask you, like, what, what kind of game are you expecting? And uh, give us a result. Look, I, I think uh, the, uh, the, the one thing that worries me is, you know, our, our standout midfielder at the moment has been uh, for the past two games and arguably uh, all over the, the summer friendlies has been uh, Sensi. And um, with Italy against uh, Finland, I, he kind of looked dead in the, towards the, the second, second half of the second half of the match. Uh, he... Uh, he lost the ball that, uh, and then eventually went in on that clumsy tackle that led to the penalty that allowed Finland to equalize. So um, I, I wonder what sort of physical condition he's going to be in uh, starting the match. I also wonder what sort of physical condition Brozovic is going to be when he comes back as well from international duty. So, but I'll also caveat that by saying, or not caveat that, I'll, I'll, risk, uh, I'll risk more positivity by saying that even if they're not in top form, I think uh, we're still going to be able to, uh, to uh, take all three points in the match. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to sound, uh, you know, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but I, I'm quite confident from what I've seen so far from both Udinese and Inter that this match should be managed well. It's just a matter of are we going to be able to put in a Lecce-like performance or a Cagliari-like performance in, in, in the course of winning the three points? Um, I think it's going to be a, a, a clean sheet. I, I don't see uh, I don't see the Andanovic conceding any goals, and maybe it's a one or two nil uh, win, and maybe it's a blowout as we've seen again with the Lecce. Um, I I I lean more conservatively and say it's a, a, a one nil uh, one nil well managed, uh, comfortable but not uh, unspectacular match. That's how I see it. Will, where, where do you stand? Do you think that um, Nicolo Barella will finally start next to uh, Stefano Sensi? Uh, or, um, and that's my first part of the question. And also, do you, how big of an impact do you think he will have uh, on this game uh, against Udinese? Do you think this is the kind of game that suits him or would you prefer uh, Vecino? Um, I think this is a simple question. You know, Vecino's coming back from South America. Um, so he will have very little time to train for this match, given it's on the Saturday evening. So, yes, I would expect Barella to start and then maybe Vecino in midweek in, in the Champions League. Um, Barella has something to prove because, obviously, he uh, is being compared quite a lot to, to Sensi. They're both young Italian midfielders who come from smaller clubs. Um, his price tag was bigger than Sensi's and the expectations on him were therefore bigger, but he has taken a lot more time to get used to life at Inter, perhaps because he turned up a bit late because he was playing for Italy in the Euros. Um, he's uh, he had to do a lot of his preparation. Um, he sort of had to do a lot of his catch-up work in Singapore in the humidity of, of that of that environment. So that that wasn't the ideal preparation for him. And uh, you know you've got Conte saying that he's still trying to uh, sort of assimilate the idea of the style of football that we want to play. So he is a little bit uh, behind. There's been some very odd and very um, knee-jerk criticism of him on Twitter, but with Inter fans, I think we're used to that by now. Um, <laughs> so I, that's not a surprise. I, I hope he has a good game. Uh, I mean, look, he's, he's, this is not a good game for, 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 anyone who, for, for someone who needs space. I think he's good in space, sort of running forward into 
uh, into the box. He's probably not going to have much joy if Udinese just sit back and, and do nothing all game, which is what I expect. But yeah, I mean, we need to see something from him eventually. And so I hope this is his game. But I would say that this game is, um, I, I think the right word in Italian would be uh, una rogna. It's a real pain in the backside, this kind of game, <laughs> because it's the game where they just sit and wait for you to break them down. And these are the games that give us trouble. Um, I would like Alexis Sanchez to start, not least because it would be a nice turn of fate, because obviously he had three years at Udinese um, a few years ago. And uh, I hope he scores the winning goal. But the, the team selection in general will be very interesting, because, of course, we've got a very busy period of fixtures coming up. We've got some very tough matches. Milan, Lazio, Samp, Barca, Juventus. So I wonder if Conte will do preemptive rotation or whether he will just plough ahead with his, his favoured players and, and you know, uh, face that problem later. Right. Um, I personally, when it comes to the Barella thing, I just got a comment. I, I don't, I, I've, not, I've not been worried at all. And the reason for that is because I think I don't think that anyone has any any of these interplayers, be they young or old, be they inexperienced or, or experienced. They're not used to training this heavily uh, this early in the season, the way that uh, Pintus and Conte has them trained, uh, has them training during the preseason. I think Barella being so young, he's only, I think he's 21, 22. Um, I don't think he's used to this kind of workload so I think it's just more uh, an issue of him being you know maybe a little bit overtrained and and, and I think we saw that against in, in the Italy game those of you watched it um, the, the more he kind of it's it's like it, you know there's, there's, there are different ways of training you can you can you know you can different kind of you know workloads and different kinds I think with him it's more trying to now having had that preseason training I think with him it's kind of more kind of getting him into you know finding that right balance between between the workload and, and getting him match fit so I'm not worried at all and I and I and I and I think that he actually I know he likes space because he's a very dynamic player but he's also a very physical player and I think he likes to to get get stuck in and I, I you know I've always for me he's always been an Italian uh, Nangolan uh, an Italian young Italian version of Nangolan so um, I, I think I, I think he I, personally I think this is the kind of game where he will actually like it I think he'll enjoy it and and I've and I've wanted anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I've wanted to see this midfield trio of Brozo Sensi and, and Barella, or, or as a friend of mine calls them, the Inani, the, the dwarves. <laughs> um, but but no, I I, I, li- I like them. Um, I, I, I think they they, they give uh, they give a they have all the qualities that a Conte midfield needs. Um, but if I just quickly ask you, could you give us a prediction? Score uh, scorers and score line. Uh, One nil, Alexis Sanchez to score against his old club. Oh, I like that. Uh, Fulvio, could you give us a prediction? Uh, 2-0 with uh, Lukaku and uh, a defender, probably Danilo D'Ambrosio. Mm, like that. Um, Mo, did you give a prediction? I gave a prediction of 1-0. I didn't yeah. give a goal scorer, but um, I, I, I like I like a, a cheeky Lukaku goal. <laughs> a cheeky one, all right. Nice one. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with 2-0. I'm going to go with Barella and Sensi scoring. Uh, I think the goals are coming from midfield. Right, um, let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we uh, pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something in the world of uh, football uh, heavily. And uh, we're going to start with uh, with uh, with someone who's a little bit out of his element. The negativity, uh, Mr. Positivity, turn goes Mr. Negativity. This week's Moji with Mr. Mo Nasser.
<laughs> yeah, so uh, I've been uh, tasked uh, <laughs> to go against my, the very fabric of my nature and try and find something uh, negative. Honestly, uh, I mean, usually it's, it's quite easy, but it's been such an uneventful week. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll do an old man rant like you alluded to earlier. Um, <laughs> I, I think that really annoys me is this obsession with the bloody FIFA player cards, uh, you know, uh, and it, it kind of speaks to the, you know, uh, we we're talking with Patrick earlier about the importance of social media and, and, and clubs engaging with fans, etc. But sometimes the line is just too far when players start complaining on their own social media about their ratings on FIFA. Well, what's the world coming to? You know, just play the you. bloody ball. You're, you're, uh, who cares if you're rated 83 at passing or you're, uh, or you're at 70 at speed or whatever? Like, who, who, who cares? Yes, it's yes. literally just a game. I mean, it's a game based on a game. You know. Yes, 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 yes. So, uh, so yeah. Apparently, some 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 new FIFA 20 uh, player cards have just been released and. Uh, the whole Twitter sphere has been up in arms about uh, <laughs> different player ratings and whatnot. I, I just, I don't get it. It really, it really bothers me, you know? So, yeah, that's my <laughs> I, for this. I love the fact that when, when I, I mean, everyone, uh, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that my, my power animal is Jasper Beardley from The Simpsons. And I love how you're the Abe Simpson, Grandpa Simpson to my Jasper. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Right. <laughs> let's, um, let's move on to uh, uh, something uh, much more positive. This week's uh, Moratti, which will be presented by Mr. Fulvio Santucci. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and... Uh, he surprised uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. Okay, so I own an apology to start uh, because uh, actually I, critic I criticized uh, one of the uh, one one of the players that Inter bring in this summer, and this player is Stefano Sensi. And uh, I, I think, I mean, everybody knows that uh, this um, this uh, this deal was uh, driven uh, by financial uh, um, requirements. You know, the plus valence, the yeah, the, the deal with Sassuolo that we are we are used to, like Politano one. So everything seems to be on that in that direction, and uh, we seems to seems to be like a normal player. But uh, actually, uh, Sensei surprised us this summer during the preseason uh, and uh, keeps surprising us uh, against Lecce, against Cagliari, and I would say also with the national team, despite, mm. some, um, despite something, you know, yeah, he lost the ball, okay, but he risked to, to, to play that ball, right? And that's, mm. that's what it matters at the end of the day, because uh, the, ne the next time he could, uh, he could play the ball differently and trigger uh, a, a good chance. And that's what Inter needs. Inter needs quality and uh, Sensi has quality. I mean, uh, Sensi has never played in that position during his, uh, his career, at least as far as I know, as far as I'm aware. He started as trequartista and uh, then uh, he was moved uh, um, to, to, the, to the regista position. And uh, once again, he played as trequartista last year with Sassuolo, um, but uh, actually never, never played in that box-to-box -box position that we are seeing right now. So uh, now the question is, uh, is, it, is it for real? I mean, uh, uh, could be that uh, Stefano Sensi is just in a very good shape, in an amazing shape that uh, make, make him do things uh, like uh, he never did. And uh, this could add at some point, uh, but uh, on the other way around, it could be like Skriniar, like nobody expecting anything from, mm. from him on the 2017. But mm. the guy came, uh, play a great preseason, surprise every, everybody, 
play a great uh, beginning of the season and uh, was constant, continue, just continue like that. So either way, I think that uh, if uh, Sensi is in a good shape like this, uh, I think that uh, we can all take advantage from him. So uh, as I criticized uh, this, uh, this, his, his bringing at the, at, the, at the beginning, I would like to, to come back on my, on my steps and uh, celebrate him because he really deserved it for what he, he makes, uh, what he showed during, uh, during the last month and during the last week. So I think that uh, Stefano Sensi has well deserved the Moratti of the week. Absolutely. Great shout. Nice one, Fulvio. Uh, couldn't agree with you more, especially the part on the national team. I, I think he's been a complete revelation, as you said. I, uh, he, he, um, like you said, he, yeah, he made a few mistakes, but 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 overall, for, he he was excellent. Um, so um, some people actually were were tweeting uh, tweeting uh, at me saying that they prefer him to Verratti. Even uh, I wouldn't quite go there as far, but I have to say that as someone who loves the Azzurri and has been following the Azzurri for most part of my life, I'm re for the first time in a decade excited about this uh, Azzurri team, uh, and, and not just because they run they they are headed by uh, Roberto Mancini, who everyone knows I love as a coach and as a person, but but also because I, I really like the squad. I really Really I think they've got something big going on, Italy. Finally, after all the Graziano Pelles and all the Giaccherinis and, and God knows what, and Simone Zazas, Italy, Italy are finally out of the out of the dark ages, at least uh, in the national team is, in terms of quality. Right, uh, let's move on to something slightly uh, much more comical, this week's Frog, which will be presented by Mr. Will Beckman. E clamoroso, autogol di Ranocchia! Yeah, as Mo said, there's been a, it's been a quiet week um, on the football front, so it was it was a little difficult to at first to uh, to find a frog. I was scratching my head for a while, but then I did remember something very strange that happened on Friday evening. Um, I'm not sure exactly who the frog is because it's difficult to know who is precisely responsible. But um, the the frogs of the week, I'll have to refer to them collectively, are the the organisers at the Stade de France um, because on this a fr- on a Friday evening, uh, France played Albania in a Euro 2020 qualifying match. Uh, they all lined up at the start for their uh, national anthems and uh, the Albanian team lined up ready for their anthem. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the PA or the, the, the loudspeaker played Andorra's national anthem <laughs> instead. Jesus um, so obviously they're all stood, they're all stood there sort of... Um, you know, with their ha- their hands on their crests, you know, waiting to, to sing. And then suddenly they all start looking very confused as if uh, this wasn't how I remembered our national anthem being. <laughs> so they all looked a little bit befuddled. Um, they then, obviously, that ends. The French national anthem gets played. And uh, that was the correct one, obviously. And uh, But uh, I, from what I could work out, the Albanian players after that were refusing to start the match until their anthem was played. So eventually they, they scrabbled around and found the Albanian anthem. Uh, by the way, I should say that Andorra were France's next opponents in that stadium. So it is possible <laughs> that they just put them in the wrong order or something. So it's not a completely inexplicable mistake. They were the next opponents to come to the Stade de France. But anyway, so they played the national anthem. And then afterwards, the, the stadium announcer um, apologised. But he apologised to Armenia. <laughs> <laughs> so a real double whammy of weirdness in, in, the, in Paris. The, the footage of the, 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 them singing the singing or not singing that is available on social media. It's very odd. Look at some of them. Some of them sort of smiling Jesus as if nothing's going on, and some of the others are kind of 
looking a bit befuddled and some are looking a bit angry. Oh, the away no. fans, they, they made some rather rude gestures to protest this, <laughs> this what is actually a very disrespectful thing to do. Um, so, yeah, that, that, I think that, that whoever was responsible for this car crash of a national anthem ceremony needs to have a, yeah. a Frog of the Week award. Yes, absolutely. That was brilliant. Great job. Um, yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was one of the best frogs I've ever heard. Um, right, um, that was all we had time for this week. Um, I'd like to thank Patrick Hendricks for coming on uh, once again. And I'd also like to thank you, Fulvio. Don't be a stranger this season. Try to come on more often. It'd be awesome to have you. I promise. Thank you for having me here. Good to be here always. Uh, and I look forward to the next episode. And also, thank you so much for the day of the Empoli game where I was so nervous and annoyed, where you listened to me moan for about 45 minutes when I called you, Fulvio. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to thank you for yeah. that. Thank and, you. Actually, and, actually, and actually make a good prediction because practically the game went exactly what, like, like we said on the afternoon, right? So That's true, that's true. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a long moaning session, but I needed it. I needed it, so thank you for that. Um, and also, I'd like to thank um, Mr. Mo Nasser, uh, the in-house uh, uh, preview writer, and also our new uh, predict prediction king. Let's see if your prediction comes true again. Yeah, yeah, you'll just have to read uh, the preview when it comes out uh, later in the weekend or at the end of the week to know exactly what the official prediction is going to be. But yeah, thank you for having me again. Always a always pleasure. A ple always a pleasure. And as always, Mr. Will Beckman, thank you for coming on and thank you for that frog of the week. That that's one of the more that's one of my favorite ones I've ever heard. <laughs> no worries. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Thank you so much. Until next week, I'm your host, Nimatali Rutsiri, wishing you a good weekend and three points and sempre e solo Forza Inter. Forza.